Welcome to the In Search of More podcast. I am your host, Ellie Nash. Join me weekly on my quest for more, more from myself and more from this world. We'll see you on the other side. All right, welcome back, Jackie. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes. So I'm sitting here with Jackie Glazer. You and I recorded a podcast episode maybe close to a year ago by now. It's a while. Earlier in I think it was earlier in 2023. Yes, yeah, six months maybe. A little more. Okay, yeah, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Where are we now? We're end of October, so yeah. I, I, I know it's been a while because shortly after that episode, I stopped doing the virtual recordings. It's been a while since we've ah. done any. I just, I don't feel, we got great feedback on, on that episode. A lot of people really enjoyed it. But for myself, I much prefer in-person conversations. So we went to this. Yep. So thanks for indulging me. Thanks for having <laughs> me here in person. Absolutely. Um, so where do you want to start? I mean, you talk a lot about uh, dating. Yes. Et cetera. We went to that at length um, when we spoke. So we don't have to repeat some of those, but I'm sure some of those ideas will, um, will come mm -hmm. back here. So I don't know. Maybe we jump into Israel. Israel. A little bit. Israel. It's on a lot of people's hearts, a lot of people's minds. Yeah. So, so Israel is, it, what's happening now, it's rattling our cage, like rattling us to the core. Yes. The whole country the whole nation and people are scared like really scared me also you know for our lives really what's going to happen what's going to be and so I've been thinking like what what does God want from us we're not on the front lines we're not fighting on the front lines that's not our avoda our test right now what's our test our meaning people not fighting in the army Okay, so you're separating it kind of into two. Those who are... People on the army, that's clearly what they're meant to be doing. Right, exactly. But we're not there. We're sitting here in a comfy chair in the middle of Florida. What are we meant to be doing? Right. Okay, actus, unity, mitzvahs, yes, 100%. You've got to fight the darkness with light. But what does that really mean? Yes, I can do lots of chesed and mitzvahs. 100%, we should continue doing that. I can pray. I absolutely should be doing that. But there's also an inner battle, the inner game that goes mm. on, which I think... Is not talk, it's talked about the least that I've seen so far, which is what, how do I grapple with my own demons, my own anxiety, my own fear, my own darkness? And what are we being called upon to do in our relationship with Hashem? So there's two different issues. One is how do I grapple with myself, my own anxiety, my own darkness, right. and my own where, where, where I'm going mentally, internally. And the other is... So you're calling that categorically darkness? No, it can, someone, be, it can be dark. It could be light also. No, what I'm saying, someone gripped by fear, someone gripped by... Yeah. yeah so you're calling that... That's feeding into the darkness that's clearly mm. in the world. Mm -hmm. So we're feeding that darkness versus fighting it with light. Now, it's easy to say that and it sounds very poetic, but like, what does that mean inside? And the other part of it is then, what do I do with what's going on in my relationship with God? Like, how do I possibly reconcile that God is good and I'm watching these atrocities? I cannot tell you how many people have contacted me already about this issue. Like, a, 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 it's a crisis of faith. What am I doing? How, it's a, where is God in the Holocaust? This is it. We're facing it. We're looking at it. Really? I'm not so confused by it. I don't know why. Okay, go ahead. So, how we respond to this situation is dependent on where you really are holding with God and where you're really at, I think, and where, what you've built up until now. Right? It reveals that and it... And it it beckons us to build it more. But I think that focusing on the first part, which has really been Adam la'atzmo, right, between us and mm -hmm. us, 
is that there's two different universes inside of us, right? Rav Volba brings this down, which I thought was really... The who? Rav Shlomo Volba. Okay. Who was very famous for bringing, uh, bringing down a lot around personal development and parenting, actually. Chinuch and... He's modern day? No, well, he passed away 2005. Okay, so it's recent. Okay. Yeah, recent. Okay. Rav Yeruchim Lovavitz's Talmud. Um... And he, he talks about, there's a book called Alam Hayyadidus, The World of Connection. And the world of connection is a world inside of us that is the world we live in when we feel connected and grounded and open and expansive and in sync with what we're meant to be doing and everything feels amazing. And then there was a world of disconnection. And the world of disconnection is a world of fear, anxiety, loneliness, isolation, destruction. Mm-hmm. And we can go back and forth between these two worlds in the blink of an eye whether we're aware of it or not. Oh, so he refers to it as two worlds within us. Yes. And we're not aware of necessarily which world we're in consciously, but we're flicking between the two worlds and we can flick back and forth in a second based on our choice, our intention. And it goes even deeper than that, which is the world of connection is really the world that's connected to Hashem, Shem Echad. Everything's one, Mm -hmm. everything's connected. And... The world of disconnection is not really its own world. It's a mirror of the world of connection, meaning it exists when I'm out of alignment with the world of connection. This gets very deep and Kabbalistic. I hope it's not too intense right. too quickly. And I don't really understand what I'm talking about. I, I'm, I'll share what I know, right? Meaning in and of itself, it's not a reality. It's the absence of Correct. reality. It's okay. the absence of reality, the world of disconnection. And I guess the, the easiest way to see that is to imagine that when you're walking into a pitch black physical room you can light a candle and a little bit of light will dissolve the darkness mm-hmm. immediately but it's not possible to walk into a room with the lights on and a little bit piece of darkness meaning when the lights are on there's no such right. thing as a piece of dark it cannot actually exist it cannot exist in the face of the light exactly. so everyone gets that however that exists inside of us too this exact reality is mirrored internally And so that's helpful because when I'm feeling anxious and scared and my mind is starting to run into worst case scenarios and the fear and the terror of what's going on, when we, you know, I'm sure so many people watching have seen the videos and then what's going to be with us? You know, you you can't help but put yourself in that position somehow where these are our brothers and sisters in Israel. Right, and there's certainly a sense of if it could happen there, it could happen here. Of course, of course. And what... It was much easier than we thought it should be, than we thought it could be. What's easier? It was much easier for them to do what they did. Yes. Than we thought it. And not just that, that the, the, the support they've rallied globally is absolutely shocking. But this was lying, lying dormant. All the rallies, all the support. Oh. Around the world, in every city. Okay, I don't know why I'm not shocked. You, you never saw such an obvious outpouring for support of terrorism in a, a democratic country. You know, I'm not shocked it's there. But, but, right. but it's, it's the level of brazenness that, like, you can't stop us, you know. Got you. Okay, and so I'm trying to set, I'm trying to get a sense. I hear people say these things, and I just I'm not all the way there, and I'm wondering if I'm missing something or what's what's going on. But to me, it was like what changed on October seventh. What changed on that date? I, I think that what was going on was unacceptable forever. 
right? For how many years are people living there with rockets flying over their head, occasionally someone being killed, occasionally yeah. um, someone taken hostage, but perpetually the fear. And somehow we're like, it's okay. It's, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's, it was acceptable. It was, to, it was, we tolerated it yeah, for whatever reason. And knowing, of course, that at any given moment, they have tens of thousands of rockets pointed towards Israel. There's a tremendous underground of tunnels network that they're building and doing something. They're preparing for it. And every once in a while, they use it in one way um, in one way or another. But we kind of accepted it as this is okay. It's not that many people dying, and it's not right. that many people being taken right. hostage. We're like, we're okay. And we didn't learn anything. I don't think any—I any, didn't learn anything about Hamas. I don't think you learned anything about Hamas, meaning there was this understanding that they did mean what they said. They will try to kill every Jew. They do want to do this. They will do it in barbaric ways. They aren't the most decent people. I never, I never had a thought otherwise. I think the only thing that was surprising was the way it caught Israel off guard. Yes, that definitely was a shock. No one thought that that would happen and that there's a connection of what they did in Israel with around the world so quickly, boom. But that as well. I mean, there's every pro-Palestinian rally for the last while has been from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And we know where the river is, and we know where the sea is, and it means zero Israel. I mean, it's not. And in order to get to zero Israel, it means all Jews dead, because the same way Gaza, in order to happen, in order for um, Hamas to rule Gaza, that meant zero Jews living in Gaza. They talk about ethnic cleansing and apartheid mm. and all these words, but the only place it's really happening is in the territories that are controlled by the Arabs. I think we were in, we were, we were in denial. I think we were in denial that we didn't really think it could happen and only when this level of breach has been able to be happened and that we're not protected by the, whether it be the army or whatever, that that's shaken up, that this could really happen. We're really not protected. It's, it's thrown a lot of people into vulnerability. Right, that's what I think changed. What yes. changed, which is not much different than, than COVID in some weird way. And of course, I'm yes, not- Yes, I just talked about that. Right, I, got, I'm yeah. not talking about the individual, like the individual families, individual people, because right. like, they're going through their own personal holocaust but that's the same whether it's a child who dies from cancer or one person who is taken hostage or killed in a terrorist attack that's not the magnitude of it is no different for right, when it's the family. one family right that right. one family dealing with it so obviously for anyone dealing with it individually then that's massive and their whole world and yes. the rest of their life etc i'm talking as a community i'm trying people are saying things but so much of it it's like, okay, we knew that. We, we always knew that. The only thing we, we, I think we learned is that Israel is as vulnerable as, as it is. Like that we, mm -hmm. it's like, wow, they can get in and they can get in at that volume for that long right. and people can be that helpless for that amount of time. That, I think that surprised people, that aspect of it. Mm. But and not I, who Hamas is, not the, correct. the world supporting them in that way. This episode is brought to you by OKClarity.com. OKClarity.com is the upscale version of ZocDoc for the Jewish world. It is the place for any Jew to find an excellent therapist, psychiatrist, nutritionist, or coach. And it's completely free to use. Every professional on OKClarity is vetted and experienced in working, working with the Jewish community. So they understand and respect cultural nuances like Shabbos, Shaduchim, and everything in between. What I love most about the OK Clarity platform is how easy it is to use their search and filter system to find the type of professional that you are looking for. They have dozens of providers to take insurance, and you can watch an intro video of each professional to get a better sense of who they are 
before taking that first step to reach out, which I get. It's hard to take that first step, but many of us have, have found that to be so very worth it. If this sounds overwhelming, they offer a short form for you to complete, and their specialists will recommend the great professional for you, all anonymously and for free. Also, in browsing their Instagram, I found content that I loved, fun and impactful. They are also regularly hosting Instagram live sessions featuring different experts discussing pressing mental health and wellness topics and answering community questions, all anonymously and for free. So if you're not already following OK Clarity on Instagram and you're using Instagram, you definitely want to. Last but not least, if you have WhatsApp, OK Clarity has an incredible WhatsApp status with over 8,000 followers. And yes, admitted, I am one of them. Their WhatsApp is a free way to improve your mental health and they post humor so what do they say? Laughter is the best medicine. Side note, side note, maybe the main note, if you're listening to this and you are a wellness professional, a nutritionist, a psychiatrist, a therapist, a coach, and you're not already on okclarity.com, here's an important reminder for you that this is a great place to be if you want to reach relevant um, members in the Jewish community, those who need your support and expertise. And one more thing. OKClarity.com is offering um, discounts or in some cases um, free sessions for those impacted by the war in Israel. Reach out to them. Get in touch. Addressing our mental health is the most important thing we can do, especially in difficult times. And so that's I was surprised the other way, actually. I was surprised that Israel got as much support as it did for the first few days mm-hmm. after October 7th. Like that seems to have dissipated already. Now it's Everyone can scream ceasefire and everything else. But that's the only thing that surprised me. Is that for a few days, CNN was saying things like... Yeah, CNN was pro-Israel. I couldn't believe it. Right, for about a week. And now they're back. I I, I try not to watch now. I'm not watching too much either, but yeah. So what's changed is our vulnerability. And what's changed is realizing there's absolutely no one and nothing we can rely on except God. That's really what I feel this is. Like if we zoom out from a macro perspective... We have to rely on God. There's, we're, we're, at the, we're at the sea. We're surrounded at the sea before we jumped in in Egypt. Right. And we were forced to call out to Hashem from that place. And I feel that that's similar here. And Right. In that way, it's like COVID because all the protections that we thought we've had are gone. COVID was the prep for this. I, I really think, again, I'm not God. And I don't know what God's yeah. cheshman is. But COVID was the preparation for this. COVID was rattling our cage in a way that was scary, but... It was more inconvenient and it made me, I mean, obviously not if you experienced any death in those families, it's right. the same thing, what we just said about the hostages. And there was a lot of people comparative to, the, to what we used to. But in general, a lot of young people were trapped at home. They couldn't do what they want. They had to give up everything. They maybe lost jobs. But it wasn't this level of personal violence that we've seen. Right? It, it's, so I feel like COVID was a prep for releasing your grip on your life and your attachment to your life as you know it. Releasing your grip on attachment. I, because one of the things it says with the coming of Mashiach is that many people won't want to go. We're too attached. We're too, we're too comfortable. We don't really want to go to the next stage. Oh, interesting. 20% of Jews from Egypt didn't want to leave Egypt. Oh, sorry, only 20% of Jews wanted, wanted to, to leave Egypt. So they said 20% of Jews are going to want to leave wherever they are to go to Israel for Mashiach as well or survive, or whatever it is. So Hashem is giving everyone the best opportunity to let go 
of, it's not about not enjoying your life and wanting your life a certain way, but that, that I need it to be this way. Right? I, I, I can surrender. I can surrender. I can whatever you want, God. That's really where a Jew's meant to live, is I'm, I'm in service to a higher power. Whatever you want, I'm serving you. I, my, my ego is not attached. And I really think coming back to that, what is the Shemont from us? It's surrendering the ego that I know. Right. I heard, I heard of Daniel Katz say something, which I just want to interject here because I think it's important, is he said, we're never here to say why something happens, but we can always say, what can we learn from it? Where can we improve? Mm -hmm. What can we do better based on what happened? What's but happened? To, right. To suggest why something happens is way beyond the... And that's the beauty of the Hebrew language, right? Lama means why. And lama, if you break it up differently, is lama. lama. So yeah. for what? For what purpose? So... Exactly. What, what, what am I, that's what I go into. What am I meant to learn from this? What does God want from me? And the only thing I can come to, come to is that I'm meant to let go of needing it to make sense. Because this doesn't make sense. Right. It's senseless. And that's the place where we have to surrender that and say, well, with all the other evidence I see of God and who he is and who he's been in my life, I can trust that you have a bigger picture and I can't understand this. I cannot understand this. I cannot make sense of it. Of how is it, I believe it's we're in the middle of a story, Megillah Esther. We're in the dark. It's leading up to something good. But this, we're in the dark right now. Right. And in the dark is the chance that you can experience a jackpot moment. A jackpot moment is where you like hit the jackpot and you exponentially can grow in your spiritual growth because you're in the dark and because it's so hard. And I really feel that's the opportunity for all of us right now is to like, we're pulsating between freak out, or maybe you're not, but everyone else is, right. but a lot of people are, like between freak out anxiety and then I trust Hashem, I'm relying on Hashem, he's in charge, and then people are pulsating back and forth. No, me, I'm, oh, I just want to be clear about my position, right? I've, I've read a fair amount of news, I'm, I'm looking at what's going on, and there's obviously concern, but I was concerned the day before October also. October right. Yeah, meaning on October 6th, the people... Israel was not protecting its citizens. That's the fact. It's the, it's any, anyone in the South was vulnerable to rocket fire, had to live right. um, in, in a way that they had to get to a shelter as soon as possible. It just it, it didn't make any sense. But for whatever reason, people... Wanted to live like that. No, they chose to live there, some of them for ideological reasons, some of them because they right. ignored the actual threat. But the fact of the matter is, is that Israel wasn't saying that... Um, we are going to protect mm -hmm. our citizens in the appropriate way. So now we just found out to the, like, what extent, extent. right, what the extent right. of that of, of that is. Right. But it was, it was there before. They were tolerating and what, I mean, just think about it in any other country. I mean, if you just, the, the mental exercise of imagining citizens in America being okay with a, a nation state within two miles of its border, less than two miles of its borders, within, you know, in, on its border, building up this kind of infrastructure and at the same time attacking in different ways. Right. We would say America is not protecting its citizens. So Israel was not protecting its citizens. It was much more concerned with what CNN and BBC had to say than with actually doing its job. People keep talking about, for years, there was this expression of Israel's right to defend itself. Israel doesn't have a right to defend itself. It has a responsibility to defend itself. Mm. This, language is, this language is nonsense. And just getting into that whole argument was totally ridiculous and was feeding into, I don't, I don't, I don't understand anyone who sits there arguing with people who, um, who, who disagree with, uh, with Israel's responsibility to defend itself. I don't, 
It's a waste of energy. Why do I have to prove it? We wouldn't do it with our own children. Why would we, right. why would we do it? Let me find out what the neighbor thinks about me making sure my child has a bed to sleep in and can sleep soundly. And then going, you know, people say Israel has a PR campaign. The problem is it thinks it has to do PR. It doesn't have to do PR. Just protect its citizens. Take care of, take care of what needs to be taken care of. If you sit there and ask for someone's opinion, you're going to get it. But if you don't ask for someone's opinion, they won't give it. Just do what you have to do. Mm. The other part of that, I think, is that they're also trying to be careful of a, of a world war. So trying to balance, temper the threats that it's going to well, escalate. We're, we're, we're talking about now, right? Now we've, we've allowed something to kind of like metastasize, right? This is cancer that's, that's all over, in both in the idea, which is global, and then in terms of the force, which is very powerful within Gaza itself, and we're showing that, right? We're three weeks in, and they're still throwing rockets. It's like, wow. Yeah, it's a lot of rockets. Yeah, it's like weird. It just keeps coming, and Israel is like, yeah, they bombed this, they bombed that, they bombed this, but somehow it's still rockets being fired, so obviously they've, they've built up a, a fairly mm. powerful army mm. um, in that place, and now we're talking about something else. What I'm talking about is, you know, going back 20 years ago, 30 years ago, or even, you know, right when they left Gaza, at those stages to sit there and argue about Israel's right to defend itself. Well, we don't have rights. We have responsibilities right. and take care I of like it. like that. Yeah. Um, right. This, that's what I mean. What I mean is that uh, like, almost nothing surprised me here. Literally almost nothing surprised me here. The only thing was, like, I was sort of shocked. Like, how did, how did it take eight hours for there to be a proper response? How were people sitting in a safe room calling and no one showing up? Like, that was the surprising aspect, meaning... The idea we knew that Israel does not do enough to protect its citizens. And the extent is what we found out was, oh, wow, okay, I didn't realize. Like, I knew I was unhealthy. I didn't realize I'm that unhealthy. You know, right. something like that. But it wasn't. I guess what you're saying, you're saying that there was a level of denial, was denial. that existed. And the denial sure. was shattered. For sure. So is that a bad thing for denial to be shattered? No. No. I don't think so. But it's, we're left with the fallout now. Yeah, sure. And what do we do with that? And that's, I guess that's the area I feel I can help. Right. And uh, that's my area of battle. There's different battlefields at once, right? There's the, there's the battlefield physically, and there's the bat battlefield spiritually. The inner one. The inner, and the inner one. Okay. And so we are responsible for fighting that battle. And I okay, think so that's what you're attempting to do. That's what I'm, yeah. It's a call to arms for the inner war. Yes. Okay. And that we have to... The, the inner world and the inner war will be reflected on the physical level. We, we know it's all connected. It's all connected. Right. Physical reflects spiritual on many different planes, right? All at once, always, always with the physical body, right? We know this. So, so too on the macro. And so too on the macro, you know, we're, we're fighting for unity right now to be unified because we know that's what fights this war. So too internally, we want to have unity. So what does that mean? It means there's certain parts of ourselves we pull into, push into gullus. There's certain parts of ourselves we excommunicate. I don't want to know about it. I, I'm rejecting certain aspects of myself. Subconsciously, we do this all the time. Right. Uh, it's not acceptable. Or I don't want to know. Or it was in the past. There's a wound. There's a pain. And I'm ignoring it. And it's, I think now is... Can we put some meat on that bone a little bit? Can you give an example of someone who's pushing out a part of themselves in a way that you're, you're talking about? Uh, yeah, so I deal with a lot of women, and they're people pleasers. So they often, what does that mean? It means I'm, I want to keep everyone happy at the expense of myself. I'd rather take the hit. 
Okay. So very common with women. Usually mm -hmm. people pleasing is actually a type of control that I feel very scared of conflict. So I'm going to make everyone happy. So there's peace. So I don't have to deal with my, my fear, but it's a type of control. I'm controlling the environment. Right. I make sure everyone is pleased. So Everyone's that pleased. I'm, I'm safe. I'm good. Right. Yeah. Rather than I actually will speak up for what I need and want at the threat or the risk of conflict. Right. So basically they're transferring the external conflict internally. Well, they'd rather do that and right. abandon themselves. I right. call it abandonment. Which will create an inner conflict. Pain, yeah. yeah suffering, yeah. yeah. And Meaning there's kind of two choices. Either there's, there's going to be conflict, right? Because person A and person B disagrees with each other. Right. So either I can abandon myself and then person B and person A appear to agree and now the conflict is internal. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Why didn't you stand up for yourself? And now that well, some of these some of these women don't even ask themselves that. That's what I mean by it. some of them don't even experience oh, it's conflict. That. Oh yeah. They don't right. They don't experience it as conflict. They're just like they will just suffer, suffer, suffer until something else gives at some other point. Either they get sick or they explode. Usually they don't explode, they'll right. get they'll internalize. That's, right. So, That's assuming the kid's not crying anymore because you uh, put him in the basement. Right. Right. Okay. Exactly. Give you, you gave up. There's a line in a movie I saw that said kids are like emotions. Um, you don't want them, you don't, you don't want them driving the car, but you don't want them in the trunk either. <laughs> right. So it's kind of, okay. Exactly. Right. So you're saying in this way, it's like putting certain things in the trunk and saying, okay, I can't hear its cry. So it probably it's not crying anymore, but obviously yeah, it's Yeah, we're crying. good at suppression. We're very good. Very at, good at it. Very good at it. Yeah. So, so people do that and then they abandon themselves and, uh, I mean, they're not even owning who they are, you know, and then I've had even women that I've worked with who are dating guys based on what family want and they're ignoring right. what they need and what they want because they are not in touch with it or if they are they just don't know how to bring that into reality and so what so I when you're when you say abandoning who they are you mean neglecting their needs their wants their desires their preferences they're either not in touch with it to begin with because it's so suppressed if they are in touch with it they can't they don't have the courage to to, to ask for it Understood. to bring it into relationship to express it and they're scared of what might happen if they do. They don't want to rock the boat. Okay, so you would call this, so let's say someone has a, a desire for something and they're neglecting that for the sake of peace, then they're putting that part of themselves that has this desire in gullus. Yes. That's what you're saying. Yes, meaning they're just yeah, pushing it away. Excellent. And that creates division internally. Sure, yeah. So what I've seen the opposite happen is that when they're working on themselves, let's say, in a process with me, they will start to validate and own who they are, how they feel, and start vocalizing it, even if it's to themselves and aloud, like to me or to someone mm. else, and then boom, their husband walks into their life. Crazy. As soon as they shifted internally and owned it, even if they didn't say anything to their parents, now they've got a, a Kaylee, a vessel right. for it. Absolutely. And so that's what I feel that we're really doing. If, we had to, if I had to like create one phrase of what I think we all need to be doing now, wherever we're at in life, it's about building that vessel. Understood. Building that vessel, and that vessel is, 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 a, is, a, is a vessel for light, for God right. in the world, however you do that. Right, creating internal unity. So the way that would manifest, and when you're talking about unity, you're talking about Jewish unity, global unity, what are you talking about? Unity within, you're saying? No, when you're talking about unity on, the, you, you said just like we're fighting for unity on the outside, we're fighting for unity on the inside. So it has to start with the Jewish people. Oh, so you're talking about the Jewish people. Okay. Firstly, and then we should go to the world. Right. So the same way we would say, let's say about 
a Jew who has a different opinion than us, they're not Jewish, right? So we kind of like, boom, exile them. They're no longer part of the people. Yeah, we do that all the yeah, time. Yeah, we do all the time. Exactly. Judgment. But you can only judge someone else positively, favorably, if you have that relationship here. It's a mirror. It's all a mirror. We don't see right. things the way they are. We see things the way we are. It's a mirror. So it's very nice that people say, oh, I've got to work on judging favorably. I've got to work on see seeing people with a good eye. I've got to work on my speech. I've got to work. Yes, but it's so much harder to do that if you're not working here first. Because if you work here first, then that becomes much easier. It's an extension. So I think that we overlook this in the Jewish world a lot of the time. It's very focused on chesed, which is beautiful, and, and praying, which is beautiful. But the bigger vessel you have here, the more you can give to someone else and to God. And people, it's funny, they finish the course and they'll go, my praying got better. Like, so weird. Like, no, it's not weird. It's just that you become bigger. You're a bigger vessel. And, and then when you're a bigger vessel, you can connect more authentically, more real with yourself, with others, with Hashem. And that's what I feel like we're being asked to, asked to do now, as well as surrender this ego of, I need to know. I need to understand everything that's happening. I need to, you know, a lot of people who are control freaks right now are really freaking out because it's very clear we're not in control. So like you said, but we were always never in control. Right. But we didn't real. some people, a lot of people don't realize that, right? Don't realize that they weren't in control because Hashem was so nice. He let us all believe that for a while. Right. So when I say always in control, I'm not, I'm not at that place that, you know, I don't believe that at all. What I, I was more saying related to, the, the state of Israel and the way it was doing things that a lot of these things were very obvious where right. the world was at right to me I see it there's a number of people who are willing to fire a rocket at Israel and a number of people who are willing to tell Israel not to defend itself and they both have the same stated goal I, I don't right and I've always known that because I've seen the rallies right we've seen right. this before that's all I was saying not that yeah. uh, not not that I've reached some sort of state that oh. Yeah, yeah. You might have. No, if my food is not hot enough, I'm not happy. So, <laughs> yeah. No, no. <laughs> I hear. Yeah. yeah. We all, so we've all got this work yeah. to do, and I think that we've been, everything's been accelerated in the last few weeks. It's very clear that we, we, Hashem wants us focusing on this now. Right. On what is it, what is it I need to work on? And to take time out of your day, even though we're busy and you have work, and take time out of your day to really extra prayers, extra work, and then doing stuff for the Jewish people and the soldiers and your community and all that stuff should still continue. But I think this piece is left out, which is how can I be more um, connected? I guess connection is connected to unity. Right. So connection yeah, here, so connection with others and connection with God, that leads to the world of connection, which is that well, Hashem Echad. Yeah, ironically, it did lead to a, a lot of um, unity, at least in the short term. It did. Yeah. So much. And I think yeah. that's why there's no, I haven't heard of any civilian deaths in Israel since, since we, we galvanized that type of support. Have you? I think the fact that they've been se they're sending thousands of rockets, we're fighting on every front right now, or at least I think three, and there's been no civilian deaths is miraculous already. And that I see that as a reflection of the unity that's already been shown. Right. And that that should give us strength. Do you think to that's going to stay? The unity? No, yeah, the unity, I think that we should, con that should give us strength to continue with everything we've been doing and not to slack off because I think the risk is complacency now. Right, that we can go back to that, that place. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, likely, naturally, the war is going to be drawn out for, for a while and usually 
when that happens, um, people go back to the positions they had before. So those who are anti-war may go there. Those who think you have to, mm. you know, get every Arab out of the country, go there. And just instead of recognizing that all of those um, important, not important, pale in comparison to the need for, mm. you know, being on the same page, treating a Jew like a Jew. Yeah. Like a family member, not not sitting there. and Like a family member. Yeah. Right. And that's the concept of uh, one of the other things I heard recently was that one of the ways we can fight with unity is to is to carry our fellow Jew like like he's like he's one of like he's like a family member, no seba all carrying the burden of your friend, and when I actually carry the burden of my friend as if it's me or my family, so it says that we're all in pain like I'm carrying the pain as well, mm -hmm. and that is an act of unity and it says actually in a Gomorrah and Sanhedrin that when when we when a Jew's in pain God feels the pain more Jews in pain, God feels more of the pain and can't handle it in, in, a, in a way, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And it's, it demands a response spiritually. So it is, a, it is a real approach to say the more we all are in pain together about what's going on, the more it will demand a spiritual response from God and that we shouldn't give up on that. We shouldn't put the burden down and just go back to our lives. That we should say, look, look, God, look how much pain we're in. Right. You have to do something. We're relying on you. And when you put the problem on God's shoulders, so to speak, we, we are out of control. We don't know. We can't do anything. I can't do anything. I feel completely helpless and powerless. It's, it's terrifying. Right. And uh, the more we throw that on as far as a real, in, again, it's in the, in the heart. So you're saying not to go to a place of abandoning the burden. Feel it. Feel the burden. But that yeah. itself will, will, has a huge impact spiritually. So I think we have to see how how our internal world impacts spiritually right now, that they're intrinsically connected. Anxiety, interestingly, uh, God will create situations. This is, uh, I think it was Rav Sadaka Cohen says, God will, will create situations of anxiety and the unknown for us, uncertainty, so that we feel anxious. And that anxiety itself leads us to do this introspection and this work so that then the, the thing that was decreed doesn't need to happen. Oh, interesting. So the anxiety itself is a mechanism by which we don't actually have to experience something negative. Right. It propels us. Oh, interesting. Meaning exactly the opposite of what we think it is. Yes. Yeah. Exactly the opposite. It's not forewarning of something bad happening. It's preventing it if we, well, if we follow it. Yeah. And that's a different, that's a different approach. The stifler brings down actually that with anxiety, it can be a warning, like a hint, a tap. And because you experience the anxiety of what could really be, really, really, it is on the cards to be, you do that inner work because of that. It motivates you to see the outcome of that, whether it's a bad dream or whether it's like a bad health diagnosis or something God yeah. forbid like this. And you do that and then that thing didn't need to come to fruition. Right. So that can be also. Right, meaning you were able to create the benefit of it without the reality yes. of it. Yes. Yeah. So that's what I keep asking with this situation. Like, what is that? What do we need to get to so that that doesn't happen? And what do you see as that? Is well, that well, the World, end of the world? War III and a Holocaust again on a global scale? Right. Like, which is what God warns in the Torah. Like, if the, the Holocausts come when we're not in the roles we should be and we're not doing, you know, this year was the worst year of arguments, fighting, division in Israel that we've ever really seen publicly right. on the public stage. Yeah, it got dirty. Yeah, it got very dirty. And then Tel Aviv on Yom Kippur. 
was disgusting. What was going on? Tell the audience for the lefts versus the rights, the religious versus the anti-religious, and they, they have all these breakaway minions on the streets of Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv stops, dead stops on Yom Kippur, no cars, and people came along attacking people, praying, innocent people praying, who were often leftists that go to shul on Yom Kippur, and they were they, they released dogs to attack people. Really? Yes. They threw sidurim, yeah. they ripped up sidurim of people, innocent people praying, and on Yom Kippur, on the day when the year is being what, sealed. Jews attacking other yes. Jews? Yes. Oh, wow, I didn't know this. Crazy. And they threw them in ponds, the sidurim, and I mean, it... it, it Motivated by what? This whole political year. The Supreme Court stuff yeah, and the yep, things... Yeah, the government. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wow. Left versus right fighting. Wow. Yeah, so I... Uh, I'm not a, a, um, a careful follower of the news just because it's not good for anyone's brain. But I did see some of that. Sure. The, uh... <laughs> yeah, don't watch the news. What? <laughs> yeah, don't watch the news. No, really, don't watch the news. It's propaganda. Right. It's not news. But it was. But right. you're saying it was the worst it's been. Yeah. Yeah, and I that's. So. I mean, I've never heard or seen anything like that. I lived in Israel for eight years, and. You lived in Israel for eight years. Mm. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So something needs to be corrected in a massive way and only God has the master plan but Hamas has no power Hamas has no power we give it power it's the absence of the light so that shows how dark and how much absence is in the world and it's our job together to infuse light back again the one thing they have going I will say is they're really lishma who Hamas oh yeah they're lishma they're, they're doing it for the sake of God they believe right they have that it's very powerful. We have to match it. We have to match it. Right. They definitely are. Uh, it brings merit. Well, there's some and some. I saw an interview of uh, one of these guys who said that he would get, for every hostage he brought back, he would get $10,000 in a yeah. house. Okay. So, so that wasn't so incentivizing. It was not <laughs> Actually, you're right. Good point. That guy wasn't. But there's plenty of them who certainly are very, very, yeah. very. They're, they're I mean, not only themselves, their families. Like they're, they're very on Yeah, the, family, the families are happy when they're... If their kid is a in martyr. In some cases, yeah. Yeah, in too many cases. Too many cases. Yeah. I right. Mean, well, I'm saying of the terrorists, you you, hear, you know, you see the calls home, yeah, yeah. and you've, we heard the recordings even. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, um, it's considered, it's glorified. There's a brainwashing there since they were kids. Right, but you're saying the kind of, the little bit of light in there is that they're, they're committed, they're strong, they're yeah. courageous. And they're doing it for God, they think. Right, yeah, yeah. So... We have to match that. We have to match, like, what are we willing to sacrifice? What are we willing to do? You know, we have to strengthen ourselves, I think. And what can we do in the world to bring in light? There's so many ways, so many ways. To connect with each other and, and to the inner work as well. You know, I think that that is important. Right, I guess that's what... Maybe that's the part that, even though maybe I know it intellectually, but maybe that I'm a little denial about it, just how bad it actually is. Meaning the fact that, because it feels comfortable. What does? The world feels comfortable. I'm saying not this, forget October 7th. I'm saying a month ago, it did feel comfortable, but obviously there's a tremendous amount of darkness in the world. Like we've gotten comfortable with, uh, I'm saying on a spiritual level, mm. like the, yeah. the amount of darkness. 
and I know it. I mean, if you think about the amount of depression, the amount of anxiety, the amount of suicide, right? Right. There's a lot of the unraveling of society is happening around us. Yeah, yeah. And it and does infiltrate the Jewish world. Right. And even in the U.S., there's plenty of discord and disagreement, and right. Right. Like all that stuff with Trump. I mean, was way, way, way beyond the pale of anything we've seen with any. Uh, right. So the, you know, again, this is all written. A lot of this is written about that we're going to have to choose good and evil. People are going to have to choose sides. It's going to be polarized as we get closer to Mashiach, which is really a shift in consciousness. Mashiach is a person, for sure, that's going to coming, but it's a shift in consciousness of the world of recognizing God. And I always wondered, like, how is God going to do that? Like, how is God going to get this world that's so far away to recognize Him? And then I saw, and then COVID hit, and I thought, wow, with one little bug, mm. God shut down the whole world in a week. It was unbelievable, unbelievable that that the awesomeness of that. And then I was like, oh, God has ways, obviously. And then now this, you know, this is like sh rattling everyone's cage. Yeah. Right. I guess the kind of the silver lining through it all is the, the, the mass disillusionment, but disillusionment in a, you know, in the positive of that, that getting out of the illusion of something. Yes. Yes. I think that's important. And like refocusing priorities, refocusing on, what am I here for? Right. I meant it in a different way, the disillusionment. The, I meant it in the sense of, let's say in the U.S., right, through COVID and through everything else, is definitely the sense that there's some people somewhere is making decisions that are, have a tremendous amount of power and not necessarily to our individual benefit. We're much more at risk than, than we thought. Mm -hmm. Not everyone is. There are some other competing interests when every single news station is saying the same thing and then one person gets up and says something and that person is silenced when there's so much unknown right why would you silence anyone let everyone talk we don't know anything but we're so quick to censor this person and that person and that. yeah right so like those things like whoa is there is there as as much freedom here as we think mm. you know well less and less in the last two years well, it's freedom well the when the freedom we have is granted by someone that means we don't have freedom because they can take it away so and we've seen a lot of we've seen a lot of those things we thought were there. I mean, the U.S. dollar it crumbled in the last. We were not we we mentioned the word inflation, but someone who was a lot of their security was dependent on how much money they had saved up. Um, you know, yep, their, their bell was rung. Detach. Yeah. yeah. This doesn't. I, I. I. It's like where do we give our power? Where do we give our reliability to to make us feel okay? And you, one is money, one is a job. One, and so jobs all fell, fell away in COVID. A lot of jobs got right. restructured. Yeah, social life, a lot of that was... Social yeah. life got restructured. Money got restructured. Like everything is... God is stripping away everything to show you it's not this. doesn't mean he's going to take it away permanently, but it's not this. Right. This is not giving you security. I mean, that's what we sit in the sukkah for. For what? experientially we sit in a sukkah every year to show us that nothing is permanent except god oh okay it's a house that is flimsy so that don't get your safety don't get your security from your house don't right. get it from anything physical it's all god like we want to see the sky through the schach because we want to know that it's really god that's giving me the security and we we're trying to build that from the inside out over the high holidays that's what it's about right rosh hashanah is planting the seed of I want you to run my world, God. You're my melech. That's what that means. Let go, let God. That's what Rosh Hashanah is about. And Yom Kippur is like, okay, now I'm going to correct things in my vessel to make sure I can channel it. 
And then sukkah is I go out and celebrate with God and realize that only you're the only one that's making me secure and making me feel. What do you, what do you make of the fact that this attack happened on Simchas Torah? Do you make anything of that? Because like Yom Kippur thematically made sense, like the Yom Kippur War, uh-huh. right? The theme uh-huh, of it, it's, uh-huh. right? oh, it's, it's like a serious day. I'm just wondering, you know, if you had any thoughts on that. It's like the most joyous day and then something like this. How many people even are aware of it? How many Jews are aware of that? Of Simcha's how many Torah? Joys really, how many Jews really take Simcha in the Torah? Proportionately. Right. Like I, I'd never heard of it. I became observant at 30. Oh, and you didn't hear about it? Never before. even heard of it. You don't even know it's And I don't think I'm abnormal. As it was, I was abnormal as a right. secular Jew. So Understood. Simchas Torah is lovely, but if no Jews are acknowledging what Simchas Torah is, or it's a very, very, very small percentage who are genuinely the Simcha. I mean, again, I don't think that's the reason something we, what do I know? It's Shem's Cheshben, but I don't know. Right. So I, I don't guess... know if it matters that it was on that day and what that might mean, except that it was, uh, I think they, they did that actually that day was because it was the anniversary of the Yom Kippur War in the English calendar. Right, the English calendar was, was the, the anniversary. Same. Right, but you know, you're, you're giving everything a meaning on a spiritual level. I was wondering if you connected anything to, to Simplus Toro, but obviously anything can happen anytime. I don't know, but what I'm worried about is that all of this stuff and like trying to work it out and work out how the idea failed and it's interesting, but it's also it's a distraction. It's a distraction. That's it's what you powerful. feel like. I really do, especially watching the news because we watch the news to feel connected to feel like we know what's going on, so we kind of have some sense of control, but it's no, there's no, it's an illusion again. There's no control there, and so I think coming back to again us and focusing on um, the thing that think that releases the most light into the world, the most light to fight this darkness, is really relying on God. Rely, like you're in control. You know what's happening, and you can stop this in a second. So what's interesting about this, um, about what you're saying, is what you're sharing is essentially, this has been your life view from before this happened. Mm. Well, I went through it single, so that's why I was saying it's ironic that there's a parallel here in the singles test. Go ahead. So being single is nowhere near, it's not life and death like this, but there's such a darkness, there's such a despair that you're battling when you're single and you're older and you're, it's not happening and you don't know why and you're dealing with everyone's judgment and everyone... So what's the test? The test is trust, trusting in the dark. You're in the dark. You don't know if it's going to happen, and you have to trust God. And the thing that's going to get you out of it is, is that. I just had someone who's getting engaged tonight as we speak, and uh, she's in the middle of the course. And she, I said, what, what was it for you? What was the shift? She said, honestly, it was that conversation we had about trusting God, and I've been working on that every day since, and I really felt I shifted in trusting God, and then my husband walked into my life. Right. Isn't that interesting? In a second, everything can change if we just do that. So you know what's funny? So when, had a, the reason I started this podcast is, or these conversations is that when COVID hit, I was seeing a lot of people freaking out. Yeah. And I wasn't freaking out. Not what There were practically, there were things I was dealing with that were a huge deal. My wife had just gotten pregnant. She, we're going, the beginning stages of it were very difficult physically and emotionally for her, for our family. She got pregnant, I think, in February of 2020 is when we found out. So uh-huh. right as COVID was hitting, we were dealing with that. Plus, obviously, on the business side, our business was going through all sorts of changes and a lot of unknowns. So I had 
um, a lot practically I was dealing with. Mm. And normally at the time, you know, we had two young children, my wife with a son who was two, a daughter who was one, and then my wife was pregnant. Oh, wow. And typically, I mean, the way we're used to in our life is we have a fair amount of support and help, right? That's, I'm able to work and, mm-hmm. you know, it makes this much more manageable. Here, obviously with COVID, very limited who you can have. We had a little bit, but not, not to the extent um, I'm used to. And also dealing with all of that. And at the same point in time, uh, dealing with the work stuff. So practically, I was dealing with my fear share, but I wasn't freaking out. Was, I sat with the company and said, listen, you know, here's a, our job is to survive this. It's not about mm-hmm. making a ton of money. It's not yeah. about anything else. Our job is to just somehow how to figure out how to survive COVID. If we survive COVID, then we should be okay because not everyone will. So, um, meaning there was a levelness about it. And I was, as I was talking to people, I was wondering, like, why is that? Why am I, why am I more comfortable than others? And my thought process was that I already went through this. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I began my journey on recovery from addiction, I had to be willing to strip away those things that were most yeah. important to me. Yes. So in the process, um, I learned how to live without the things that were most important to me. And not that these things weren't super important. They were my house and my life and my job and everything else. But I'd already once seen I can do that. So I said, okay, if mm-hmm. I have to do it again, I'm not excited about it. It's not exciting. It's not a walk in the park. But I knew it was possible. I wasn't freaking out to the end of the earth. I was like, okay, I want to save my business. But if it doesn't happen, I'll still be able to look at myself in the mirror and recognize myself. I want to save these things. But you know, there's not going to be a total loss of identity, which is what it often feels like for a lot of people. So towards that end, I said, hey, let's have a conversation. Let me launch one. Recovery is generally anonymous. Right? You have Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. That's what it's yeah. called. So I was like, hey, maybe we can do away with some of the anonym, anonym, anonymity for a while. Not completely, not to shatter it, but bring some of these ideas out to the public. Mm. And I hosted an online webinar called Let Go and Let God. Mm. And different, I think it was old you know, rabbis or other thinkers in the Jewish community who have some knowledge or understanding of recovery joined the webinar and that was our first conversation we had a good response so let's do another one then eventually we said hey if i'm already doing it why not put it on a podcast so we started hosting it and one thing led to another and now we're here but my point is and all of that is that the conclusion that i made from covid was a conclusion i had already made previously mm-hmm which is that recovery has valuable things to teach me in the world. It just kind of reinforced it in a much larger way. The conclusion you seem to have made from um, what happened in Israel is that the inner game is very important. But you always knew that. This is like turning up the heat. Exactly. Massive. Exactly. And not just the inner game, but the two, inner game and connection with God. You have to do both fronts. They're both battlefields. Right. Different levels, different things. Some people are really good at focusing on God. Some people are really good at focusing on here. We have to do both. Right. Essentially, um, you know, when they say, um, when you get squeezed, you find out what you're full of. Exactly. Right. So this is what you're full of. What you're full of is this idea that inner game is very important, that the spiritual world magnifies the inner world. And that whatever is inside is, is, as a vessel, is what you bring to your relationship with others and to your relationship with God. Right. So you have to work here so that you can improve Beit Adam Lechavero and, and your relationship with God, Beit Adam Lamakom. But, but without this, you can't do it. And people skip this step. I've seen it a lot 
Right. They skip it. They focus on others, they focus on God. And they don't yeah, I think most people assume when it says that our job is to bring light to the world. Right, that's right. But known you can't the Jewish... do that if you're not light. If you're not well, full of that. light. Well, there's that. It's the world. You had, you had started saying there's a universe inside of us. Yes. That's the world that we're responsible to bring light to. The rest of the world may or may not live without us, but our, we'll never live without us. Yes. Yeah. And what, what, you, what popped into my mind when you're saying that you went through this is that you learned to have a sense of internal self-definition. When you strip away all those outside things, right. I'm defining myself within, and this is where you get to see you know, what defines me. Right. Several is years it? after getting sober, I nearly lost my business, and it was more than my business. I mean, nearly lost everything. And that was also a life-defining moment. It was, could I, will I recognize myself in the mirror without a certain amount of money in my pocket? And I, for a full year and a half, I didn't know if I would or could. And it was a very, it was an wow. extremely trying period. But also, like in hindsight, some of the most fulfilling Valuable. and rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened to me when I went to Israel at 30. So 30 years old. And I was in a peaking career that obviously defined me, which I didn't realize, which was on the Today Show, uh, which was the same show that is mm. here, and we copy you with everything in Australia. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'd walk into a room and people would be like, oh, you're the Today Show psychologist. Oh, like their whole face would change. Mm. And that gave me some sort of recognition and feeling good. And then when I realized I had to go to Israel because I knew I was Jewish and I knew that that was meant to be for some reason, I just have no clue what that means. My brother was becoming more observant, right. and I freaked out. Um, I showed up in Israel, walked off the Today Show. People thought I was crazy. I also thought maybe I'm a bit crazy, and uh, sat down with 20-year-olds in the classrooms in a, in, a, in a school in Israel to learn Judaism. It was very strict. Like, who am I if I'm not right. on that show? Who am I if I'm not a psychologist? Who am I if I'm not? So all those layers were also stripped away, and I was living in a SEM dorm room, no air conditioning, in Israel in the summer on these little flimsy beds. So the gashmias, all the physicality was stripped away. And I lived like that for a long time. I was there for five years, on like mostly on and off, but pretty solid five years in that situation. And it was the best thing ever, even though it built me. Inside. Right, it was tough, but it made you who you are, right? It, yeah, and, and I think that wherever people can get those situations and opportunities, it's a good thing. I don't think people choose it, I think it happens to you. You, it happened, you, no one actively says, I want to let go of everything I know. Like, no, no, no it has to be. It has to be. It has to be forced out of someone. Yeah, and that's what's happening now on some level. Right. There's that comfort, that safety, that illusion, that control. That. Right. Where, where I was going with the thought is that, let's say someone, not everyone is freaking out, meaning not everyone is no. afraid. I'm hearing some people who want to kill everyone. Right. <laughs> so there's, there's different, there are different emotions that are coming out people yeah. some people are horrified beyond the pale some people are um feeling a level of revenge and vengeance mm -hmm. you know that uh i thought only hamas was capable of but you have different you have different different things and what i'm saying is is that really what this is is a squeezing and then you find out what's inside and then what becomes more relevant mm -hmm. is to go back inside mm -hmm. nice right. yeah i like that the squeezing that's what you're right that's what it is because when someone is when someone goes into panic, they are so sure that the only logical conclusion is panic that oftentimes they're like, yeah, of course I'm afraid. Look what just happened. Well, not of course, because here's 100 people who all experience the same thing. 
And, and again, right. I'm not talking about the people directly impacted. That's a completely different. Right. I'm talking about the people observing. One person is freaking out. They're terrified. They can't sleep at night. Mm -hmm. The other person, you know, wants to kill. kill. The other person is completely disgusted by everything. Oh, it's disgusting. I can't believe Right? They just all focus on the disgusting aspects of it. Where did I? Maybe I'll be repeating the same thought, but um, there's uh, David Hawkins has this concept of like the energetic levels of different mm -hmm. emotions. Mm -hmm. Power versus force. And so in power versus force, so he gives yeah. an analogy. I don't know if you remember if you remember it. You read the book, obviously. Yeah. So he talks about passing a beggar on the street and how different people, depending on where they are, will come to a different conclusion about the beggar, right? So his lowest level emotion it considers shame, right? So if someone's call it vibrating at the level of shame, they'll see um, a beggar and find them disgusting and repulsive and you know hard to look at, right? Because that's that's what they see. If someone's vibrating at the level of guilt, then they'll say, um, oh, "I'm sure I'm sure he deserves it. He must have had it coming. He mm -hmm. must have done certain things." Um, above that, I think he has, let's say, apathy. There's whatever, you know, just walk past. Yeah. There's the wall, there's a homeless person, you know, they blend into each other. Uh, another person may be at a level of fear. I say, oh, wow, this is scary. This homeless person could be dangerous. Let me walk across the street. Someone else at anger, right? They'll look at it and say, I can't, Get believe, a job. I can't believe the city lets this. Like, this is crazy, right? So whatever is going on, and then as higher level emotions, whether it's acceptance, it's like, okay, those are his choices. These are my choices. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's different meaning. Like you said, it's not... We're saying we don't see the world the way it is. We say we see it the way right. we are. But someone who's passing the homeless person and is afraid assumes that everyone would be yes. afraid. Yes. But it has. It's not the homeless person. It's us. It's us. We're sitting at the level of fear. So yes. a lot of people are finding out. They've been squeezed, all of us, and we're finding out what's inside. What's inside. Right. And now the the, the opportunity and the challenge is to look at it without judgment. Right. What's there? What's there? Not oh my gosh, I can't believe that I'm feeling this way. Right, and then work through that. And work through it. Work through that. Yeah, that's the opportunity. One of the nicest things I liked, just going back to David Hawkins, that I liked about his, his work, so he has a scale of yeah. what he considers like the more life-affirming emotions, right? So shame is the least life-affirming mm -hmm. uh, because you know shame at the bottom levels can lead to suicide, right? Mm -hmm. Enlightenment is the highest levels because that believes in eternal life, there's no death, right? So... And then in between that, there's different levels. So let's say it kind of, the break-even point, he has a courage. That's like mm -hmm. when someone is living a life with courage, you know, the boldness just to take a step forward, act, act in the face of fear, then that's kind of where everything opens up. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're kind of taught, like within Judaism, there are many messages, let's say anger is bad, fear is bad. But it depends where you're coming from. I mean, compared to apathy, fear is quite good. Right. Compared to fear, anger is quite good. Compared to anger, pride's quite good, right? So it's goes up in levels of consciousness, right? And then eventually, kind of hits a higher level. But you had mentioned seeing it without judgment. I found this scale really, really nice mm -hmm. to be able to look at it without judgment. It's like yes, I'm not at the le I'm not at the place in the ladder I want to be. Um, but I'm not, 
I'm not in the bottom of the rung either, right? right. And Most, you can see where you right. are and that it's all real and valid. So the key is in that, by the way, his second book or the other book, the le most latest book, Letting Go, okay. Pathway to Surrender, mm -hmm. is actually a pre prerequisite reading for my course. That oh, I, really? Oh, I am, it is one of the best books that I have ever read. And I say that very lightly. Okay, I'm going like, to read I it. I have it. I haven't read it, but I really oh, enjoyed Power of Force. You have to read this book because he, he's, he's grown in himself since he wrote the first book, which was a number of, a decade yeah. or more ago. And he's not alive anymore. He passed away. But he, you, you read through this book, Letting Go, he's really holding there himself. And you, the clarity that with which he writes goes straight in. And uh, what he really shows is that it's the acceptance of whatever's going on in you from a place I interpret is my words, in, from a place of witness, right. witness consciousness, or we call it soul mode, neshama mode, whatever you want to call it, is what allows it to transform. Because when you observe yourself without judgment, and that's the key, just saying, isn't that interesting? Right. I feel this, or isn't that interesting? Tell me more about curiosity. it. Curiosity. Curiosity, compassionate right. curiosity. Then you're creating a vessel within yourself for this space inside of you for it to shift. It doesn't, it doesn't want to stay there, that yeah. level. I think it was um, Dover Pinson. I don't know if you know him, Robbie Dover mm -hmm. Pinson. He's wrote a number of books on very interesting topics. So I spoke with him a little while ago. And in it, I think he compared Das, a level of us to the word aid, aid, witness. Ah. That when we're at the level of das, like that highest level, we're also we're witnessing, versus being in, being in it. Yeah, yeah. the observer versus the observer, the, the observer, the subject versus the object. Right, and you, you, but to allow yourself to be subject whilst you're being objective, it's right. not. It's not being analytical because sometimes people escape into their intellect to analyze but that means they disconnect from themselves so this is but this is the other way this is like i'm going to allow myself to feel connected and i'm going to access the observer part of me right to do that and yeah not i am afraid my body is feeling fear like wow it's interesting my heart is pounding and yeah you know it's freaking out i wonder why that is <laughs> right right exactly right um, or even another i'm experiencing wow this like it's like my body is experiencing a tremendous amount of jealousy right now like what's going on Right, and just allowing yeah. that. And then if you allow it and can actually sit with it, which is a big if, because I think the majority of people, a lot of people that I come across, are scared of that. Right, especially if we identify with it. If it's me. Right, then it's like, I'm jealous, I don't want I can't be jealous. And then jealous. there's a judgment. So right. that's what he talks about in this book. There's three ways that you keep yourself stuck. You judge yourself, you suppress or repress emotion, and you escape. And as long as you're doing one of those three, you're stuck. It's a type of self-rejection. So, so we judge ourselves, Judgment, suppress, and escape. or escape. Into whether it's addictions, whether right. it's workaholism, whatever, workaholism, shopping, eating. Oh, that's very interesting, right? Very interesting. And once you see it that way, you're like, yeah, I can, let, me, let me just sit with whatever's going on. Let me just observe right. it and be with it and know that's not me. Right, can we accept it? Can we accept it? Can, we, can I just allow it? And I really do think that a lot of our resistance to moving forward in life, in general, if we want to go macro, separate to the war, right? A lot of our, a lot of our fear, resistance of moving forward into the next step, whether that's marriage, which is the where area I focus on. I, although I do work with married women and them moving into the next level of their life, whether it's a direction because the kids are all out of the house right. or whatever, you know, that's the stuff we have to process inside of us we have to look at it we have to see what's the where's the fear coming from it could be coming from self-limiting beliefs from the subconscious it could be coming from wounds it could be we've got to look at that take a look that's part of what i think tikkun is so that you can keep growing
Right. 100%. But if you can't sit with yourself, if you keep yourself busy constantly, if you're not at home in your skin, if you're not, if you're scared of feelings, we're not taught this at school, then you will spend your life running from yourself. Right. Yeah, it's a practice to develop the uh, the self compassion to see. Yeah. The parts about ourselves we don't like. How did you develop that? I'm, I'm sure there's still parts that I'm not comfortable looking at. I think like anyone else, right? It's an infinite game. You know, I had the thought recently that if chess is an infinite game, then probably life is an infinite game too. So, you know, so there's yeah, there, sure. there's definitely levels and there's unending levels to this. But um, when I've done it, it's I kind of had no choice, you know, especially around I was trying to recover from sex addiction and I joked that with sex I was the two things I was most attached to was work and sex like those were my attachments and I would joke that you know I got the best and the worst addictions because the work addiction is celebrated yeah it doesn't it's like I'm escaping into it I'm doing it way more than I could or should I'm not enjoying the money I'm just you know working and working and working and when I wasn't I had the the sexual escape which was for the most part, looked down upon, right? Kind of the lowest. When you talk about the, the pride people have for their addictions, right? The sexual addictions will be on the lowest and the work addiction mm -hmm. on the highest. And then, you know, drugs and alcohol kind of in between where some people's war stories, oh, I woke up on the side of the road, you know, after getting, you know, drinking a ton of alcohol. Like there could be some excitement there, but you don't hear that stuff with the sexual addictions. Right. You know, um, and... You may hear people talk like pride, right? Sometimes men will talk with certain pride about how many women they've been with. But the real addiction stuff, there's, they're not, there, there isn't pride when telling those stories. Right. There's a lot of shame. And just being able to, in order to, yeah, I just have to be able to look at those things and look at those things I, I did. And just like, hey, you know. And I projected a lot of that outwards for a while. You know, I did stuff with um, Jewish Community Watch, which was focused on um, combating child sex abuse. And mm -hmm. it was easy for me to stand in this righteousness that i hadn't uh, done that uh, right, sexually uh. but over time i realized like that some of the um judgment i was taking out on others for their sexual behaviors was knowing that my own house wasn't in order on on this front and it was convenient for me to say i hadn't crossed that line mm -hmm. okay but i crossed this was in recovery or before this is in recovery in recovery in recovery yeah yeah it started with but before then, I had to, even before then, I had to work through some trauma of being sexually abused and some of that other stuff. And they were uncomfortable, but it's much easier to look at ourselves as the victim than the perpetrator, so to speak, yeah, in life. Sure. So going through some of those and seeing how um, I had a fair amount of trauma and pain, and then slowly start saying, oh, wow, this thing in my life is connected to what happened to me. And now sometimes you watch a kid and you see they're going through something, whether it's their parents or you know, let's say parents going through a, a terrible divor uh, you know, divorce or mm -hmm. losing a parent or a sibling or something like that. You know that kid is set up for, for a challenge later in life. You just see it. So they may hate themselves when they're 30 years old and like, why, you know, I can't believe I have this issue. But someone on the outside is like, I saw it coming. I know, you, I know the life mm -hmm. you lived when you were five, six, seven years old. Of course you were going to have things to work through. So I think once I came to that, realization that a lot of the stuff I'm dealing with I was set up to deal with mm. wasn't me I of course you're gonna you know give some you're gonna I don't know water a plant with dirty water at some point in time it's gonna have to purge the dirt it got the water but it's got to purge the dirt so 
being able to separate from it a little bit. But it was mostly out of necessity. I think that every once in a while people are faced with, do I want to live with constant panic attacks or do I want to look at this? Right. Well, the panic attacks, I feel, are sometimes just signals or indicators for looking at the deeper stuff. They certainly are. Yeah. They're, yeah. Before, when you mentioned, like, you didn't want to face that part of you that was, like, it's easier to be the victim than the perpetrator. Yeah. So that would be an example of putting part of yourself into gullus. Which? The, the perpetrator? Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to know about that part. Right. But then, really, when you face it and can look at it, you're free. Yes. And okay. by perpetrator, what I mean is, is those places, those situations in life where we hurt someone, hurt someone else. else. Yeah. yeah. We all do that. 100%. Yeah. And so... Yeah, we're all the... We're all someone's We're all everything. Parallel. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so when, when I own that part of myself, it's no longer in the dark and it's no longer playing out to hurt someone, you know, or, or playing out in the sense of like for dating, blocking your husband from coming to you because you can't own a part of yourself that you need to show up with. Right. You know, uh, and you, if you married someone from that state, it wouldn't be good for you. And God knows that. So he's waiting for people to develop themselves. And I see right. that as a very clear line for example, between singles, with singles, with that, that, that there's the singles who need to develop outside of marriage, so as it, opposed to being judged that there's something intrinsically wrong with you because you're single, which drives me crazy because it's just not true. Like some of the, most of the women I work with are phenomenal people, developed, self-aware, wonderful people. But you're saying before the unity in the marriage to take place, there needs to be the internal unity. For some people, there needs to be a level of that. Right, some people manage to skate through 19 Correct. years old. And, and No, is fine. so they have to do it inside a marriage. Exactly. For them, the pathway was best in marriage. And for these other people, it wasn't going to be better for them in marriage. So they so, have to do it outside of marriage. Right. In fact, not being married is the motivator for those people. Whereas someone who got married young, if they were single, they might not have been able to handle it. God knew that. God knows everything. So right. it's just That's you're saying the trust comes in. It just goes back to... Yes, the trust in the darkness, the trust that my life is single, single by design, not by punishment. That's there right. is one who knows it's not us, right? Yeah, and we have to learn to build that trust. Accept reality. Trust and acceptance of what is doesn't mean it's going to be the same in the future. So that's the work. That's the inner game. Yeah. To use your line. I think it was yours, but it's essentially a call to action. That's what this has been for you. So, okay, we're, we're sending people to the front lines there in Israel. Let's send people to the front lines here. Yeah, I'm happy to we need more people help the army here. Right. You know, and that, uh, including yeah. myself. I'm talking to myself. All no, no, we all have this. Right. Yeah, yeah, we all have this work. It's not. Uh, yeah. You know, I think if, what do they say? If you think you found your way, you're lost. Yeah, you know? I like that. Right. Who said that? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know. But Just like, have to look at the next step. Someone told me, I don't know where the source for this, but he said that, Maishu Rabbeinu, like what was so great about him is he went through 50,000 like levels of that's not God, that's not God, that's not God. Ah. Meaning because it's never God, right? We've never been able to find it. But we find something, I'm like, oh, I got it. And then the next and second, it's like, it. it's not that. Yeah. It's not that, it's not yeah. that. So what's so great about him is he did this 50,000 times, right? That is like, he kept knowing, unknowing, knowing, unknowing, right? So it's kind of, we find something that works for like, okay, I got it. It brought me some peace. But it's not it. It's not to think. We still have to keep going. Keep going. What's the next yeah. step for you? Yeah. And finding, I think, people that embody that next step is important. Mentors. Right. Some form. It's hard to learn something you've never had access to. Or never seen or never experienced or never. Right. Yeah, that's always a challenge is because the, the information, 
will be understood very easily by those who don't need it, and those who need it will have a hard time getting it. So I guess that's that's your job, right? Is to how do you say something from this place to reach someone at that place and be able to say it in a way that they can hear it? I don't. I try to look at where they're at and say the next level from them. Right. So I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. But you can only do that if you've been through those levels yourself. Correct. Right. Which is, I guess, why why some of us are taken through the through the mud. Through the mud early. Right. You know, right. you can only facilitate someone else's growth if you've done. Right. Be the little ca- the, be the, the the small candle in their darkness. Right. Right. It's a privilege. What? It's a privilege. Right. To be able to do that work. No, it's good. I'm actually glad we're having this conversation right after Israel because I do find a lot of people completely um, hijacked by it, completely hijacked. I was thinking, uh, you know, we hosted this retreat a few days ago and it started uh, October 19th, right? October 7th was mm-hmm. the attack. And we got, some people ask me whether I should, are we still going to do it? I'm like, what should I do? Sit home all day and cry? I mean, mm-hmm. what, what are we meant to do if not double down on what we thought was good before? Right. And just do it more. Yeah. Because you were doing meaningful good work that a lot of people are not necessarily. They're just making an ends, making ends meet. But maybe they're being called upon to do something more meaningful now. Right. But those things that are good, I keep doing that. Like right. double down on double down on, on that thing. Yeah, I had a friend who was um had a birthday a few days afterwards. It was maybe a week afterwards and he decided to cancel it. I was trying to talk him out of it, but I didn't succeed. He's not a Chabad guy, and I was like, I was like, listen, I don't know, I don't for sure. Like, there's no way the Rebbe would would uh, encourage this. That's what I told him. I, ah. I, I, he didn't grow up Chabad. He's not that religious now, but he said, "You think I should have my birthday anyway?" I said, "For sure." He said, "Yeah, celebrate." I said, "I don't, I don't know what you're planning on doing for the birthday, so I'm not saying like anything should go right. If you're planning on bringing a bunch of strippers, don't do that. But if you're like you're talking about a wholesome birthday, right? Then yeah, do it. Like, you're talking about celebrating your birthday? Like, if it was a good thing the day before, it's a good thing now. I mean, mm. you know, go, go do it. I, the idea of us um, like kind of abandoning our life mm. because of what happened, I mean, that seems like a win. Like a win to the terrorists. Yes, that's exactly that's what they want. They want us to be paralyzed in fear. They want us to feel scared. They want us to feel connected to the evil, the terror. Right. Turn away from the evil. Don't look. Don't connect there. Do good. Keep good. Connect with your goodness. You know. Right. And I think that that that's, that for sure is a win. That's the psychological warfare. It's what they want. Yeah. The day after um, Yom Tov, when it, so when it ended, I guess it was two days after the attack. So I spent that night like reading and watching everything I could and every video I really wanted to understand what happened, how it happened. And as I fell asleep, I had these horrible nightmares. And I was like, no, no, there's no way that this is a good thing to do. I'm not watching any more videos, any more stuff. It it was clear it was part of the attack. And then I found out afterwards that these videos actually came from them. Yes. It was definitely part of the attack. Part of the attack. Oh, you mean to get us to watch it? Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. part of the attack was whether they knew what they were doing or didn't know what they were doing. I don't, you know, do they understand the psychology and how it's going to affect, or it's just, I think they do. you know, evil doing evil things. But those videos were taken by the, terror. the terrorists and shared by them because 
you know, if it's it's all in the word, right? Terror wants to create terror. I was ter I was terrified by watching some of that, especially with the women. Yeah, yeah. And I know I, I have other people who called me and said that their personal lives were affected from watching some of those stories, like well, we vicarious watch. trauma. Yeah, you yeah, can't watch. Yeah. Real, real stuff. So, don't watch it. Yeah, it's not. Read, read the text headlines on something. You know. Right. Like, you know this. Yeah, yeah, for like sure. Arab's That's what I do now. Israel National News has a list of headlines, but. I'll check a little to see what's going on, maybe once a day, once every other day, but I, no pictures, no videos, no. But I just focus on what this could look like in its transform transformative state, meaning God reveals himself on some level through miracles and through protection of the Jews and the whole world. I start to project beyond this and say, well, what would it be like? What would it be like when everyone recognizes God? When they say there's nothing, when, they, when God reveals himself, which we know is right, you know, before, right when Mashiach comes, that's what's going to happen. So that we're, we're going there. Like, what's that, what's that going to be like? I try and, like, invest time into imagining that, feeling that. Right. What will that feel like? Let's be there already, like, internally. And then and avoid then that the, creates the vessel for it to happen. Right, avoid the need of the hard stuff to get to that place. It's not up to me how that happens. We can bring it about, it says, either way. We can bring it through the suffering, or we can bring it through getting our act together and uniting and, and being there. Right. I'd rather do that. Right. Being it's coming. Yeah, I guess it's a coming similar Coming either concept. way. We, we get to choose how we right. bring it. Right. Do we grow through suffering or do we find another way to grow? Okay, we've had suffering now. We've had enough. Like, let's... Okay. let's I, I get it. We don't need more, you know. I agree. So, like, but letting yourself go there, I think mentally and emotionally around what will this feel like? What will it look like when God's more revealed and... The Jewish people are united, and we go to Israel. Are you ready to go to Israel? Yeah, me, myself? Yeah. You got a nice sound. You do. That's what I'm saying. 20%. All right. 20%. Want to go. The um, the previous Lubavitch Rebbe would say, Machda Eretz Israel. Make it Israel here. Oh. So I, I understood that to mean that make, but what is the idea of Israel? Is that it's like a holy land. Make this land holy too. Yeah, until the time we're meant to be there. There's nothing that or can bring replace that the actual Israel right, land yeah. itself. Yeah. But we have to be ready to, you know, waiting for Mashiach and having your bags packed is not a physical bag. It's the mindset of, I'm ready, I'm to, ready go. to go. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm go. ready. I can go. So right. I, it's an interesting thought that most, that 80% of Jews weren't ready to leave Egypt. That's pretty. I always find this 20% rule. You know, in Kirov, we found around 20% become observant. You know, so maybe, oh, okay, go ahead. 20% become observant. 20%, there's also 20%, there's the 80-20 with your subconscious conscious. I don't know, yeah. there's something about this 80-20 rule. Interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of um, studies on it. I don't know what it is, but it's something. Yep. Maybe Egypt wasn't exactly the way we um, we think it was. Like, the, we hear about it as we were slaves, slaves and we were beat down and everything else, but maybe there were some aspects of it that were... Comfortable. Yeah, very, like now. Right, but we're slaves yeah. on some level here too. Right, there's an aspect that's much darker when we're this comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And it says yeah. that Egypt was the lowest level of darkness. Right, so it's like when we do the movies, right, where the guy with the whip over the right. guy. But, you know, many of us willingly going to work every single day are also serving a master. We're willingly well, going. We're always a slave to something. We get to yes. choose what we want to be in service to. That is true. You know, that I think that's true. also we're being that that that's being shaken up a little bit now too. Right. Who want? is your master? Who's your master? Right. Interesting.
interesting. Okay, good. Good. Is there anything um, left unsaid? Sure, but... No, I know, but I feel good about um, conversation. It was informative for me. Where do you learn all this stuff you learn? Uh, like, are you, I mean, you're reading, you're learning, you're... It's 20, 20, 20 years, 25 years of psychology, somatic psychotherapy. But also on the Jewish side. Oh, the Jewish side. Uh, I learned it in Nevada, in Israel. Got it. I came, but when I came, oh, well, that was from books, reading. But when I, when I showed up at 30, so you're a different creation at that age to learn for the first time any Torah. So on one hand, it's a handicap massively. On the other hand, there's a depth. Everything is fresh, right? Fresh, and you are processing it as an adult. Right, and you're introduced to it for the first time as an adult. As an adult with a psychological background and trying to understand it from a different place. So, um... And again, Revolver was one of my big influences early on around, like even just seeing the Jewish holidays through a spiritual lens. And right. Yeah. Are there any um, a few Jewish books maybe you recommend for those listening and want to hear some of these ideas? And because uh, you, what's interesting is, I mean, the co- the concepts are out there, right, for those who are looking. But oftentimes, when I'm sitting with the guest, their reference points are always non-Jewish sources, unless it's um. Unless it's someone like a rabbi, then, okay, they're bringing that down. But you have the psychology background. You have the now, the David Hawkins and others, but you're as comfortable going to Rav Wolpa, Rav Dachon. So are there a few books you would recommend for those, um, so for myself, in, in for those Hebrew, listening? Hebrew, Olam HaYedidus Rav Wolpa, or Shlomo Rav Wolpa, W-O-L-B-E. Uh, I'm reading right now the Beis Alevi on Betachon, which brings down a lot of these in the commentary. It brings down Rav Steipler, Rav Tzadat Cohen. Like Who's the Beis Alevi? Rav Soloveitchik. Oh, got it. Okay, so, um, so that's in Eng- that's in Hebrew. Also. English, English, in English. Yeah, that's great, and it's really good for now. What is it called? Just the Beis Alevi on Betachon, trust, okay. um, and that brings a lot of commentary down around anxiety and the psychological elements of that, which was very interesting. Um, letting go, pathway to yeah, surrender. Yeah. David Hawkins, yeah. I think, is great, and uh, I don't know. I think that that's the, the main ones right now that come to come to mind. I can write a list for you. Perfect. No, this was good. This episode is brought to you by OKClarity.com. OKClarity.com is the upscale version of ZocDoc for the Jewish world. It is the place for any Jew to find an excellent therapist, psychiatrist, nutritionist, or coach. And it's completely free to use. Every professional on OKClarity is vetted and experienced in working, working with the Jewish community. So they understand and respect cultural nuances like Shabbos, Shaduchim, and everything in between. What I love most about the OK Clarity platform is how easy it is to use their search and filter system to find the type of professional that you are looking for. They have dozens of providers to take insurance, and you can watch an introvert video of each professional to get a better sense of who they are before taking that first step to reach out, which I get. It's hard to take that first step, but many of us have have found that to be so very worth it. If this sounds overwhelming, they offer a short form for you to complete, and their specialists will recommend the great professional for you, all anonymously and for free. Also, in browsing their Instagram, I found content that I loved, fun and impactful. They are also regularly hosting Instagram live sessions featuring different experts discussing pressing mental health and wellness topics and answering community questions, all anonymously and for free. So if you're not already following OK Clarity on Instagram and you're using Instagram, you definitely want to. 
Last but not least, if you have WhatsApp, OK Clarity has an incredible WhatsApp status with over 8,000 followers. And yes, admitted, I am one of them. Their WhatsApp is a free way to improve your mental health, and they post humor. So what do they say? Laughter is the best medicine. Side note, side note, maybe the main note, if you're listening to this and you are a wellness professional, a nutritionist, a psychiatrist, a therapist, a coach, and you're not already on OKClarity.com, here's an important reminder for you that this is a great place to be if you want to reach relevant um, members in the Jewish community, those who need your support and expertise. And one more thing, OKClarity.com is offering um, discounts or in some cases um, free sessions for those impacted by the war in Israel. Reach out to them, get in touch. Addressing our mental health is the most important thing we can do, especially in difficult times. Um, but if anyone wants to, I know we talked, we went in and out about dating, but if anyone wants to learn more about how to get unstuck and the, how the subconscious is playing out in their dating, which I think, again, is not often talked about, I'm happy to post a free guide. Okay, yeah, so we, we didn't go there enough. You mentioned you work with people and stuff like that. So what do you do? Who do you work with? And how does someone get in contact with you? Yeah, so I work with married, mostly women. Um, my husband does see men but I work most, mostly with women, married women and single women. I focus specifically a lot on single women because that was my journey and my test. You said you got married at 42 last time. 44. 44, okay. Yeah, wait. Yeah, 44. And, uh, and I help people. Really, it's more like a dating surgeon. I get to the root of like what's really blocking someone. So if you've been dating a while and you feel stuck and you're kind of doing the right things and you don't know why, it could be because you need to look more in here and not out there. And then I help you... I help teach you how to do that for yourself so you don't have to keep coming back to coaches and therapists. Understood. And that is obviously not related specifically to dating. That's related to you. And then it changes everything in your life. So people end up getting married quite quickly after that. Um, but married women also want it for their marriages and for their kids. And so I teach the same tools but in a different format for married Got women. Got it. Yeah. Right. There's kind of the hook, what gets someone interested, but the needs exactly. the same. Exactly. Right. Totally. Especially when you're going deep inside. Um, so that's what I do and people can find me on JackieGlazer.com or Instagram is my main platform JackieGlazerOfficial with an S JackieGlazer with an S J-A-C-K-I-G J-A-C-K-I-E G-L-A-S-E-R Official and uh, you can DM me there you can get me through the website Beautiful and I'm happy to send a free guide of uh, what's keeping you uns what's keeping you stuck like what, what, why are you stuck and they can find that at jackieblazer.com slash Ellie. Oh, awesome. That's E-L-I. <laughs> E-L-I. Yeah, but uh, people who are listening probably know how to spell my name by now. Um, yeah, last, last time, um, hopefully you got, I'm sure you did, but uh, our listeners gave extremely positive feedback. I got a to lot. The, uh, the talk, so that was... Uh, a lot of people showed up on calls. They heard me from your podcast. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. That's neat. Somehow amazing. people listen to this thing. It yeah. still surprises me. It's I don't amazing. Know. Well, I think it's because you're very real and you, you draw out realness from people. Uh, awesome. Appreciate and that, that. People like to, you really follow the, the discussion. It's not just firing questions at a guest. Right. The conversation. Yeah, yeah. I don't come in with any, uh, anything. And the few times I have, I've had to like kind of abandon it. Just let go it. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty oh, quickly. I like that. I like that about you. So I try to. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you. We'll do it again. Great, I'd love to.